What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Total Human is a complete reimagining of the daily multivitamin designed to support specific body systems on a day-to-day basis. Total Human combines many of Onnit's best-in-class formulas into a simple and effective all-in-one product, making it the easiest way to get optimized. Instead of one pill, Total Human provides two separate packs of capsules offering rich doses of earth-grown nutrients and clinically studied ingredients specifically balanced to support the brain, bones, soft tissue, along with mood, energy, immune health, and more. The day pack helps support memory and focus with Alpha Brain, gives an energy boost with Shroom Tech Sport, assists with keeping your bones and joints nourished with Strombone, and promotes more resiliency with Active B Complete. The Night Pack offers the body the mood-balancing benefit of new mood, along with the immune-supporting actions of key minerals with vitamin C and lysine. Both packs contain the edible algae spirulina and chlorella, which provide a broad spectrum of nutrients, and krill oil, which offers EPA and DHA for brain and overall system health. Total Human combines the absolute best of the Onnit product line with vital nutrients not easily obtained from food. So if you don't have time to curate your own supplement plan or you're looking to put your optimization on autopilot, relax. Onnit has done the work for you. Order Total Human and try it out for a few weeks to see for yourself. Set up a subscription, save some cash. Either way, you can rest assured that by taking these two little packs daily, you are on the path to total human optimization. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and save 10%. And get yourself on a subscription to this one, onnit.com slash Aubrey. Thanks, fam. Well, everyone, this is my first time back on the mic since my accident. You can probably hear it in my voice. But the good thing is I had already recorded an incredible podcast with Jay Shetty. Jay was a monk for three years, and he brings his insights, his learnings, and his teachings that he's been sharing with the world to this podcast. It was awesome to get to know him. I know you guys are going to dig him as well. So enjoy the podcast. Jay Shetty, welcome, my man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Grateful to be here. Yeah, it's good to meet uh, good to meet like-minded people, people putting out such a positive message. I've been absorbing all your content and your videos all morning and last night and throughout the week. And it's just great to see a consistent positive message and see it creating a consistent positive result. I mean, that's got to be pretty cool for you too, right? It's amazing. You know, for me, it's been probably one of the most overwhelming and humbling things that could ever have happened because just to see the rate at which people are connecting to meaningful messages 
I mean, there's nothing funny about the videos. There's nothing overtly like mainstream about the videos, but the fact that they have such mainstream appeal is the most fulfilling thing in the world. Do you think that people were always hungry for messages like this? They just weren't being delivered or is this a sign of kind of changing times? Really good question. I personally believe that people are always ready to start their conscious journey. They're always open to it. It just has to be presented in the right way. It just has to be made accessible. It has to be made relevant. It has to be made innovative. And if that connect happens, people can start that at any point. And yes, it is true that we're living in a time that people are looking for more answers and they are seeking, but that was true of the 60s and the 70s and it was true of the 80s. Maybe the 2000s kind of went a bit different, but you know, I, well, I, as we were just talking, it might've been true of the 2000s BC, Yes, you know, yes, when some yes. of these really ancient texts like the Completely. Bhagavad Gita and these other texts, the, the Vedic Completely. texts that you've studied, I mean, really they are the inspirational texts of their time. 100%. And that's what I feel that of, of every time there's been inspirational figures, inspirational texts, inspirational messages, and the messenger. And it just has to be constantly, not repackaged just from a marketing standpoint, but repackaged in the language of where we're at. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's really, that's the challenge wisdom has, because wisdom's timeless. It always applies. It's ageless, timeless, and universal. So it is applicable at all times, but if it's not presented in the correct format in the correct language it can sound dated i think that is kind of one of the great crafts of the artist is to find that truth which is probably always which actually not probably has always been true that which is true has always been true <laughs> right like so they find that truth and they find the way to deliver it so it's going to be most effective for whatever time and audience that they have now like dances with wolves was perfect for its time then mm -hmm. and then they made avatar same movie absolutely but, but for that time with the technology and with the storytelling available that was the right movie for that time and both had big impacts spot on i mean you look at battle of the sexes the movie that came out i think it was last year mm -hmm. i don't know if you've seen it no but you know it's based on the tennis competition of of you know Billie Jean king yeah and, absolutely yeah. a few decades ago but it's so relevant today mm -hmm. as, a, as a human issue as a as a gender equality issue so yeah i feel like the challenges we go through in life on a very deep level are always going to be the same. Everyone has to get born. Everyone has to get old. Everyone gets some sort of disease or some sort of malfunction with the body. And ultimately, everyone has to die. So those problems are never going to change. Like that challenge never changes. Yeah. So wisdom that's geared to help people live better and die better is, is always going to be applicable. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Now, you've done something that I mean, is incredibly admirable, but would be, you know, if I'm being quite honest, probably impossible for myself. And that was, that's, you made a decision to go and, you know, I have a very strong spiritual practice, but I also have a very strong kind of primal analytic, animalistic horse that needs to be lunged <laughs> and sweat. I and love like, your honesty, man. You know, and, and so after business school, you know, you went and took three years uh, as a Vedic monk the full deal, all the things. Tell us, you know, tell us a little bit about you before then and kind of what led up to that decision and then, and then all the way through that decision. Yeah, I, I love sharing this because I think it's really important for me to be able to acknowledge also my past. Mm -hmm. And I love your honesty. I was the same and I'm still the same in some senses of, I'm a super rebellious kid growing up. 
Actually, I was I was a teacher's pet until 14. Mm-hmm. So up to the age of 14, I was like the ideal son, like teacher's pet, the guy who kind of followed all the rules. And at 14, I just went through this kind of mind trip of just where does following the rules get you? Like, what's the point? Nowhere good. <laughs> yeah, it didn't get me any good. I was only 14 years old and I still felt like I was bullied when I was young. I was still exposed to racism and... And even then, like the process of success of academically being smart and all of that just didn't fulfill me at any level when I was 14. So I almost went to the other extreme of being a complete rebel. And I was experimenting with absolutely everything under the sun, having multiple relationships, just trying to figure out where to get that thrill or that fuel in life from. And so I spent most of those four years from 14 to 18, just completely experimenting with everything Mm -hmm. without any thing feeling like it was too edgy or too difficult or too challenging. And it was great. I'm so glad I did it because it also, in hindsight, now showed me that I'm so happy that I experimented to actually know. It's almost like you you need to know some of that. Like you need to, if, if you're obsessed with becoming wealthy, it's almost like you need to get wealthy so you can realize that, oh shit, that's not going to make me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> you know a weird I mean? one. I, I think Jim Carrey said it best. He said, everyone should become rich, famous, and do everything they ever wanted just to realize it's not the point. Yeah. And yeah. and I, I always quote that because for me, I feel like, yeah, that's so true. And I was definitely one of those people who, I think there's three types of intelligence. The first person can learn by just simply hearing about other people's mistakes. And yeah, that person, that's, that's, that's not, not me. Yeah, it's not me. Yeah, it's not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met one of them. I've met one or two of people like that, that they can simply hear and they won't walk down that path. Yeah. And then there are other people that need to make that mistake and then they'll recognize. And then there are some people who just need to make the mistake time and time (laughs) and time again, and then hopefully they'll respond. And so, yeah, I'm definitely in category two or three. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) no doubt. Yeah, I mean, and you start to learn those lessons by experimenting. You start to run into those forces like hedonic tolerance where pleasure has diminishing returns. And you start to figure out that there's other ways to and balance really and how balance ultimately balance and presence yields the the greatest amount of pleasure but to me the choice to go as a monk is an inherently imbalanced choice prioritizing spirit which is probably if you are going to go imbalanced you know better than better that than cocaine hookers and cheesecake <laughs> or whatever you know whatever your yeah. vices are yeah, yeah. um but you know so you made an intentional choice to rebalance towards the other side which i think is is a really cool choice to make I think it's all about role models. I consistently say this, you can't be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. And if I had never seen a monk when I was 18, which is when I first met a monk in my life, and not just seen him physically, but being able to listen to him, learn from him, have an interaction and an engagement, you can't aspire to be like someone or something if you've never been exposed to it. And I feel that, that's was my greatest fortune. It wasn't because I was deep or spiritual or awakened or enlightened or conscious or any of those things. I was just, I was just fortunate enough to meet someone who had deep happiness, deep fulfillment, deep meaning in their life and carried themselves in a way that attracted me, attracted an 18 year old me that would never be attracted to a monk. Yeah. But he had that aura and energy. And so I feel that without being exposed to certain ideas, certain philosophies, different lifestyles, alternative patterns of thought, 
how does anyone get the opportunity to envision an alternative life for themselves? It's so, I think one of the key things there is that you were observant enough to see the monk without your preconceived notions and judgments oh, and <laughs> ideas about what that might be. Because I think a lot of us, like if you really pay attention, you know, and you really see, you know, I've gone to these billionaires parties on, you know, crazy places where the musical lineup is like yes. Bon Jovi and Credence and Sting just for someone's birthday in sure. a backyard in the Hamptons, right? And you look around and it's just reeks with unhappiness and, mm -hmm. and lack of fulfillment. And I've been in other places where, you know, there's a guy who lives close to the jungle and cuts his own, you know, clippings of herbs and heals the local people and he's just beaming with laughter from every cell <laughs> of his being right like and if you really look you realize oh okay like what is yielding the greatest happiness sure and i think so you must have had that encounter where you just met an individual sounds like one particular individual yeah absolutely i i was the same i was meeting ceos entrepreneurs celebrities i loved rags to riches stories like mm -hmm. that was my big focus as a kid and it was less about the money and the result it was more about meeting people who had overcome odds, failures, rejection, like that. That part appealed to me more than the money. What appealed to me was people's stories. And when I met the monk, it was funny because it was the first time I was so inspired by people who went from having nothing to something. And the monk was the first person I met that went from having something to nothing. <laughs> and, and that impressed me even more. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Like, so I, yeah, it is one person. Is, uh, his name's Garanga Das. I, he's in India one of my biggest teachers in my life. And when I met him, I then found out more about him that he'd given up jobs at some of the biggest companies. He went to IIT, which is the MIT of India. This guy had it all going for him and he left that to live a life of service. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever met someone who left all the good stuff, the great life for service. And it just kind of penetrated my heart like an arrow where I was just like, wow, selfless service is, is the thing for meaning and happiness and fulfillment. So I almost- Yeah, because you yeah. had to see the reward of that, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> if you, by paying attention to really how he was expressing, you realize that, oh, he's the happiest dude I've met. Totally. So totally. that's weird because everything else that society lauds as the way to happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction and grind it and crush it, get rich, get bitches, all of these fucking ideas that Absolutely. people have yielding- this result, if you actually pay attention. Yes. And then this guy yielding, oh, wow, look at this result, gave all that up and had it. Absolutely, and then I got to do the split test. So from 18 to 22, I practically did my first ever split test or A-B test, however you want to name it. And I was spending half of my summer holidays as an investment banker, interning, steakhouses, bars, posh suits, late night parties, and then spending the rest of my summer living as a monk in India. So I was every year, every year, just living both extremes uh -huh. because I was just like, I want to test this. So I was still drinking. Yeah. I was still doing everything else. And I was just trying to go, okay, let's see. Let's see which one actually works. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously we know which one won. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because I, I have a parallel, I have a somewhat of a parallel path, but that path, the split test has just continued, okay. I think, for me. And it's... Because my spiritual practice involves traditional plant medicines right. and the utilization. I've been doing that for 19 years now on that path with working with traditional shamans and vision quests and going to the indigenous cultures and their rites of passage and spending the time doing that. And in those situations, it's a direct commune with spirit. Yes. And it, like the pleasure that you feel from that is an indescribable 
effusion of your highest self somatically through every cell it's mm -hmm. it's incredible and then i'll go back and also experience the pleasures of conquest in the gym or the field yes. or in love or sex or business or and just kind of constantly balancing both of those forces out feeding both wolves if sure. you want to use that analogy and i've been pretty content you know in making advancements in both but there is something for going even for making the decision like all right there's something at the farther reaches like even further that i can go for if i really dedicate a long stretch of time mm -hmm. and i'm imagining that's what you found from a three-year commitment to one side of the fence yeah absolutely i think it's it's like the difference between trying to run two businesses at the same time <laughs> yeah. and going all in on one yeah or trying to balance these two things that can be paradoxical can be opposite as opposed to just yeah going all in going focused extreme focus in one area and i really found that i think generally in life i'm quite a extremist in the sense that i don't mean in any political sense i mean an extremist in the sense of if i think something has the answer i'm gonna go all in like if something mm. makes sense i'm fully focused i want to be able to get the most out of it and understand the most out of, about it and dive in and recognize that. And after those four years, that's where I got to. I was just like, I want to spend my whole life trying to cultivate an attitude of service, humility, gratitude. I want to be able to purify my heart of envy, greed, lust, uh, comparison, complaining, and, comp uh, and, and competition in the negative sense. I want to be in a place where I'm completely cleansed from within mm -hmm. of any negative tendency or negative mindset. And that was, I was just like, and that's not going to happen if I'm working in the corporate <laughs> world. Like, I was just like, if that's my kind of benchmark of what I want my life to be, I'm not going to get there if I go and do what everyone else is doing right now. And so it was me shifting my value base and saying that my value of life was around how much I can cleanse myself and purify and be able to use all the skills and talents that I was given in service. And, and when I saw people do that, I realized it was an option. Mm -hmm. and, and that's so critical because otherwise you can only use your skills and talents for yourself. Yeah, the idea that seeing it in action makes it possible. That like what you express allows others to claim the same thing. Absolutely. You know, and that was, if you look at the ancient Christian mystical teachings, you know, that was the real gift of Jesus. It wasn't, yes. it was that he reached a level of love in his heart and unicity with all beings and all life that it made that possible for others to follow in his way i am the way the truth the light right it's not that hey you need to listen to everything i say we're going to punch you that everybody got that all wrong it's like Absolutely. hey i made it i made it to here yes. i made it to a place of radical forgiveness radical love and so can you you can claim the same divinity within yourself exactly it was it was a time in my life where compassion became more attractive than criticism where gratitude became more exciting than greed. It was one of those moments in life where all of these incredible abundant qualities and values just overweighed and overshadowed anything I could have had from the other path. Yeah. Do you forget? Because I forget all the time. You know, I'll reach these points where I understand all that and then I forget and then I'll have to re-remember and then I'll forget totally. and then I'll have to re-remember. I'm glad you asked it. Yeah. So I, I have a brilliant way of thinking about it. I don't know. I mean, everyone knows the story, or maybe you don't, but for the listeners as well, I don't know if you know the story of Roger Bannister and the four minute mile. So, okay, so you can remind me of the year if, if you know it. <laughs> but uh, so, Roger Bannister, before he ran the mile, no one had run the mile in under four minutes. Mm -hmm. 
And in the year that he broke the record, he was the first person ever, 54, 1954. So in 1954, when he broke that record, he became known as the four minute mile, you know, first person to ever break it. The most incredible thing is the year after he broke it, everyone broke that record year upon year, <laughs> upon year, upon year. Like it never stopped being broken. So right. first of all, he disrupted that pattern of thought of like, no, this is how long it takes to run it. So what I always say to people is with any emotion, with any tendency, with any action, all you can do is limit the amount of time you feel it for. Mm. So it's never that you never relapse or fall or forget, like you said. It's just that your forget forgetfulness lasts for less. Yeah. So just shorten your shorten the loop in, totally. in a way back. So I measure my success based on the tangibility of how long am I feeling this for now? How long have I fallen or forgotten for? And how quickly do I get back up? What you, I'm not so worried about the falling or forgetting. Yeah, because that'll just actually keep you in the falling and the forgetting, exactly, right? Exactly. You need exactly. to learn the minute, take the minimum viable amount of time to learn the lesson you needed to learn to Absolutely. find your way back. And speed it up. It's just speed like up. your gym, yeah. reps in the gym, mm -hmm. running, whatever it is, you know, swimming, whatever you're into, you're always trying to see how can I have that incremental increase in speed? Yeah. And that's the same habit that I have for any mental agility. What are some of the techniques that you use to get yourself back? Let's say you find yourself in a place of jealousy or anger or you know, any of the depressive tendencies or anxious tendencies or any of these different patterns that we, all, we as human beings can find ourselves in. Like, what are some of your strategies to get back? Absolutely. One of the biggest things we did as a monk, this was the first month of monk training. You don't... First month of monk mon training, that's badass. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my branding spin on it. It was never called that. It was just being a monk. Uh, that's just marketing. <laughs> that's me trying to get more monks out of the world. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no agendas, no agendas. Uh, the, the first thing we did was for the first 30 days, we were not allowed to speak. It was silence, 30 days of silence. Like and a triple just, Vipassana retreat. Totally. And you just journal. <laughs> like, triple you my nightmare. Just journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, obviously no phones. Yeah. Obviously no, and, and no, I mean, oh yeah, we do have a camera. No, no eye contact. Like you can't talk to someone with your eyes and like you, there's no <laughs> facial expressions and you don't know most of the people. So it's not like people can read your face and yeah. know what you want. And you can't write it down to someone else either. You can't be like, I want water. Yeah, it's not like, playing Pictionary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, yeah, there's no, there's no drawings. And, and I'm a terrible artist anyway, so I won't be able to draw anything. But you're en encouraged to journal for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And one of my big recommendations as a strategy is if you want to have an area of your life you want to work on, whether it's ego, whether it's envy, whether it's jealousy, whichever one it is, first of all, Biggest strategy point, don't try work on all of them at the same time. I feel so many people are trying to solve every area of their life at the same time. One day they're worried that they're too jealous. One day they're worried they're egotistic. One day they're worried that they're self-centered or people don't like them. And it's, you're trying to combat every area and you'd never do that on a battlefield. You can't really do that in the gym. You know, you have legs day, you have arms day. Mm -hmm. you, we, we split things up, but in our mind, we're really bad at splitting things up. And we try and work on all of them as this one big thing. He who chases two rabbits catches none. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first strategy is pick which one you want to work on, right? Don't, don't try work on all of them. The second thing is create a journal of your internal dialogue around that feeling. 
Mm-hmm. What is your conversation with yourself when you're feeling depressed? What is your conversation with yourself when you're feeling anger? Any emotion that you're not comfortable with, write down what's going on in your head. And that really only comes through taking some time for silence. So my strategy isn't take 30 days. My strategy is take an hour, right? Take 30 minutes to just write down every thought that you don't like about that particular emotion in your mind that's there, right? Here's another little thing that I'd like to add on to that. I think there's these two elements of shame and guilt that I think we have to reconcile because guilt is this idea that we shouldn't be feeling that thing in the first place. Like, oh, I was a monk for three years. I shouldn't be feeling this negative way. I shouldn't be feeling this negative Mm -hmm. emotion. And so if you judge yourself harshly for that and have that guilt and are not willing to forgive yourself, then you have shame. And shame prevents you from actually acknowledging the guilt. So it'll prevent you from even acknowledging what you're really feeling. And at that point, you're not actually able to observe anything Mm -hmm. because you're blocking your own observation. So it starts with not being guilty about what's going on and radical forgiveness, which eradicates the shame, which actually allows you to be the passive loving observer, which is going to help you get through this thing. I love that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely with you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I I completely agree with you. And and that's, yeah, and that allows you to be able to write a journal of not being able to judge yourself Mm -hmm. for those feelings. And and I I mean, we've heard this a million times, but if only we were practicing it, like you are not your thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're not our thoughts, we're not our mind. If your mind has a thought that you don't like, it's like having a friend in the room that you don't like. I always describe the mind like a bedroom or your home. And if there's a thought or a tendency or a habit that you've got into your home that you don't like, it's just like having a bad energy friend. Yeah. It's it's not like it's you. It's not like your home is a bad environment. It's yeah. just that you've invited beings, thoughts, ideas into your into your home that you don't like. And so just being able to remove that judgment of yourself and going, I'm so bad, I'm so depressed, I'm so angry. Actually, you're not. Actually, you're full of knowledge eternal and full of bliss and joy and consciousness and energy you've just become polluted. It's like water, when it's dirty, doesn't go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm dirty. It just needs to be filtered and then it's water. I have mud in my, totally. yeah, I have mud in me. Totally, yeah. that's all. I that am water and I have mud in me. Exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's it's beautiful. I never really thought of it that way, but I think that, that makes a lot of sense because you could say, you know, I am Aubrey and this eternal con- force of consciousness animating life and beaming love. Absolutely. But right now, the Aubrey that's expressing is, feeling angry and shitty and depressed you know so but but that aspect is there and present but it's always keeping your identification point at who you truly are totally totally and that's what allows you to be radically forgiving Mm. that's what allows you to not judge yourself Mm -hmm. that's what allows you to be compassionate on yourself and move forward exactly everything what you were just saying earlier Mm -hmm. without that reference point of recognizing that we are pure consciousness in its purest form but we've just got muddy and polluted and contaminated and impure because of association with energy environments other people's contamination again it also helps you realize that oh that person's just contaminated too yeah it's not like well because you can see yeah. the truth of them behind their cloudiness pollution whatever you want to use yeah like, whatever word see the sun use. you know see the sun behind the cloudy day like we look up and we go oh the cloud the sun's not out today 
No, no, the sun's out. The sun is <laughs> the sun's always, sun's out. always yeah. out. It's just what's in the ozone layer in between that. Is there rain clouds? Is there thunderstorms? Exactly. Is there a tornado? I don't know, but the sun is shining <laughs> way above all that. You Absolutely. know, you get to 50,000 feet or however far you got to go, and it is a bright, crisp, sunny day. Yes. You know, and that's the way we are with love and the truth of who we yeah, are. Yeah, love, empathy, compassion. It's all there. And that's why it's all there, which this process of filtration is just reawakening what we've forgotten. It's not putting anything in. It's just being an archaeologist of your own heart. It's excavating what's already there. That's why, that's why this wisdom is always relevant because it's already there inherently within every person. It's just buried under six feet of crap and, and we're just trying to get it out again. So, so that, that strategy was write out what it is now and then through your readings, your studies, your speaking, your listening to podcasts like this, write the version you want it to be. Like write down the internal dialogue you want to have, that you aspire to have. And that internal dialogue you want it to switch to will only be as strong as you've studied, researched, read, heard, listened, felt empowered. So for example, like now when, I'll, I'll give a really open example of myself. If, if someone says to me like, oh, Jay, your videos are amazing. Like, things are great. Like, I have an ego, right? And and the first thing my ego's dialogue is, oh, you're amazing, man. Like, you, know, <laughs> like, you know, you're incredible. Like, you're amazing. Like, yeah, no one can do what you, you know, that's what my ego says. Sure. Now, that's been a dialogue I've dealt with my whole life, and I don't like it about the way my ego reacts. And so I've switched my internal dialogue to passing on any praise I get to my teachers and my mentors who allow me to be this way. So I'll pass it upwards towards them as an expression of gratitude. Uh, the second thing I'll do is make sure that I recognize the fact that that person took out the time to even listen to me and acknowledge the greatness of them for taking out the time and recognizing that if they never took the time or the energy to listen, they wouldn't have had that reflection. They've got to be at a certain stage to be able to receive and then being able to reflect it back onto them. Mm -hmm. And then being able to accept it and just feel grateful that I get to live this incredibly blessed life and that if I can catch that blessing through this praise I'm getting, then I can live it forever. And so I've been able to reformat that by spending time with people who are far more inspirational and enlightened than I am, which constantly keeps me humble and helps me also recognize the value of teachers and mentors. And so that internal dialogue switch, and I'm not saying that should be everyone's internal dialogue, I'm saying write your own. But yeah. just being able to replace that, what you'll find is your default thought will always be what it's been but you'll quickly be able to be like, no, this is what I want to think. You know, it's interesting that there's that ego problem where the ego wants in this kind of nar narcissistic mm. tendency, wants to think of itself as the most self-important and the most dominant. It's always judging itself relatively. But I find that equally challenging, if not more so, people have a hard time taking a compliment. Correct. You know, even it's even harder than actually taking it too far. Correct. And actually thinking I agree good, with you. You know, and it's this this funny idea that we're holding ourselves again to this standard of perfection. Correct. No matter what anybody says, you look amazing today. No, no I, I don't, don't. I'm, yeah. I'm fat. And I that's terrible. the opposite, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the extreme. And, yeah. and that's actually just so, those are just both two extremes of ego. Right. They're both, that's just the other side of ego. The other side is like, I know how good I need, I need to be and I am and this is not, not it. I'll never be that because really I'm this, but right now I'm only this. So right now I'm shit. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's the ego like working the, against totally. itself. And that's the other extreme of ego. Yeah. And so we find ourselves always on either side of that. 
and never in the middle mm-hmm. of being able to accept something gratefully and pass it on. And yeah, accept that, yeah, we've had some value. We've had some impact. I also think people close off too, because if you're universally open to receive everything and your mirror neurons are firing and your empathy is there, then when someone slides in with that negative thing, that hurtful thing, and it gets all the way between the defenses, it really stings, yeah. you know, and, yeah. the, and the body goes, ouch, you know, Absolutely. and walls start to come up and calluses and horn and bone. I mean, that's what the body does to threat. Like animals started bashing their head and then slowly over time, antlers developed and horns sure. and things. It was like, oh, we're bashing heads? Check this out. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm going to be even better at bashing heads Absolutely. at this point. So the adaptation from that comes. And so I think sometimes we get in such a place where we've armored ourselves for those few occasional negative mm. instances but we've also armored ourselves so that we don't feel the love and we don't yes. actually feel the yeah. compassion and everything else that comes. We're just kind of closed off, which serves us one out of every hundred times, but 99 out of the other times is just denying us really feeling what we are capable of feeling. Absolutely, man. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So the key then is, uh, the way I was thinking about this yesterday, I think somehow we need to develop like a screen system, you know, like where the door is always open, like, the window is clear to let the sunshine in, mm-hmm. but it has a screen that blocks out some of that lower vibration. And I think the and some of that criticism, the only way to do that is to have that perspective where you can see the truth of where that's coming from. Yes. Right. So immediately, instead of receiving the insult and your ego allowing your ego to be there present, mm-hmm. it's like they someone's throwing a punch at your ego. But if you're out of your ego and you're in your highest universal perspective, seeing where that's coming from, seeing who's throwing totally. the punch. Then, and you're just not there. Absolutely. Then the punch just whiffs. Yes. It's like it's trying to punch a ghost, yeah, you right? Ducked. Yeah, you yeah, duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's out there. The door is open. People are throwing a punch, but there's nothing there behind the door because the only thing there behind the door is your love and consciousness and that perspective that you have. And in that way, you can leave the door open. Yeah. Because you won't be there for anything negative that comes through it. Totally. And and when you have that reference point we were speaking about earlier of who you truly are. You can look at anything that comes through the lens of how is this helping me get to what I truly am? Yeah. So yes, it may be a criticism or an insult of where I'm at now because of my muddiness, mm-hmm. but is it highlighting a part of my muddiness that I didn't know about? Yeah. Is it giving me a deeper understanding of something that I haven't seen before? And when you're looking at it from that perspective, you still know that you're above all of that. That's how yeah. you get that bird's eye view picture. It's like, I always say to people, it's like being able to be on top of a maze or have a friend in a helicopter who's up there in the maze and you're stuck in the maze. <laughs> but that person can look down and tell you exactly where you need to walk out from. And you yeah. can only have that when you have that higher perspective of who you truly are. And the funny thing about the maze is I know I have so many, I've built so many ladders. Oh, <laughs> I got ladders, I yes. got hot air balloons <laughs> I love that'll it. take me up. And I'll just be walking through the maze of my own misery and I'll yeah. like see the hot air balloon with the chute, like gas pointing up and like loving Willy Wonka of all my mentors and <laughs> teachers and practice. Like, come on, I'll yeah. show you where you are. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I'm here in the maze and I'm going to stay in the maze because I deserve to be in the maze. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just ignore all the ladders and all the ways up to see the perspective until I'm finally ready. Like, okay, you ready now? <laughs> I guess. Okay, I'll go up there. And yeah, and that's, that's all of us, right? We just, there's so many signs. Yeah. You know, there's so many signs always for everyone. And that's okay. That's just the time it takes. I I really have no judgment on how many number of times or how many lessons it takes for any of us to be awakened, how many times we need to hear something. Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. It's normal. 
right? It's, yeah. I think there's so much stress. You have a great, you have a great video on that. I was actually watching um, one of your top ones. It starts, I think it's in a school. Right. And you're talking about the age at which certain people accomplish things and this idea about these expectations of time. Because yeah. I was a victim of that as well. Me at, too. You know, at 30 years old, I was in a toxic work environment, not working for myself. Yes. And I had ideas of on it starting to form, you know, the company that I would eventually build. But nothing was happening and Absolutely. i was like i'm 30 yeah you know, alexander the great conquered the world at 25 <laughs> i'm a loser yeah. you know like and i'll never make it yeah and, and it's just these self-defeating thoughts but everything in its right time totally and i always say don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20 you might be writing an encyclopedia that person's writing a self-development book mm. someone else is writing a dictionary yeah right chapter one in a dictionary is very different to chapter one in a novel very yeah. different to chapter one in an encyclopedia. They're all different books. You can't compare how many words there are in each of those chapters because everyone's writing a different story. Yeah, and we can get infatuated with that comic book hero who just wrote a comic book. Totally, yeah, is which like is like eight pages. It, yeah, eight pages. <laughs> and at 16, they're like, oh my God, it's Thor. Exactly. Like, I'm not Thor. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, they're only writing a comic book. Exactly. So exactly. they got to, be, they got to that part get, of it. Yeah, when you get that understanding, you, you stop putting that artificial pressure on yourself. And I mean, we all know that that's the challenge we live in today, that our reference point for anything becomes our aspiration. I always ask people, is your dream really your dream? Mm-hmm. Are you really chasing what you want? How close is it to what you want versus what you think you should want? I read a great study the other day that said that entrepreneurs who exit large after companies, the next two years is where they make their biggest mistakes because most of them feel they need to become investors. Mm. And so an entrepreneur exits hundreds of millions, whatever it is, billions, they end up with this pot of money and they go, oh, what do I do? I should be an investor. And they go and become investors and invest in all these companies and none of those companies really flourish. Yeah. And so the biggest time, even as a successful entrepreneur, the biggest time to make a mistake is when you've just exited. And that's monk time. Yeah, that's monk, that's monk 30. Yeah, yeah. You just listen to entrepreneurs who just exited. It's monk 30, baby. It's monk 30, yeah. But you got two years. Don't do anything <laughs> stupid. Monk 30, your money will be fine. Yeah. Everything will be better yeah, when you're you done. Yeah, we won't make any mistakes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> life is just such an interesting, it's an interesting and beautiful puzzle. And I think remembering that, you know, one of the main reasons we're here is to learn mm. and to learn and to be. And to spend yes. the time being and learning is spending the time well spent. It's right. not, there's no other measures that really matter. Totally. I mean, you talk about that 86,400 seconds, which is mm-hmm. how many seconds in a day. Like, yes. That is our, that's our wealth. How are we going to spend it? Totally. You know, that was, that's the very simple question. I think it's a beautiful question that you ask. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the challenge is today that we're, we learn what to think and not how to think. And that's been the biggest challenge that we've always learned subjects, right? You think about any schooling system anywhere in the world, we've learned subjects. You learn maths, English, science, et cetera, which I have no issue with. What I'm saying is that learning to think, learning to process is so much more important and powerful yet most of us don't even explore it till 30, 40, 50. And like imagine like grade year five. Okay, grade five, the focus of this year will be learning to embrace the shadow. Yeah. We're going to talk about our <laughs> inner tendencies towards aggression, our inner tendencies towards dominance, rise of power, and people, kids would be like, oh shit, I actually understand myself And you'd love now. school. <laughs> yeah, you'd love, for sure. Like, no one would, everyone loves learning about themselves. Even yeah. if it's as simple as, 
oh, did you know that your face symmetry says this about you? Like even basic stuff like that. We all yeah. love learning about ourselves. I Another study I read by John Gottman, who's a relationship expert for 40 years, studying relationships, marriages, single people, dating. And he said that the number one trait they found in couples that last the distance, of those who want to last the distance, is that they knew how to fight. Mm. It wasn't about how many dates they took. It wasn't about holiday cruises. It wasn't about going out in the evenings. It wasn't about date nights. It wasn't about watching movies. It was about, do you understand how to manage conflict? And I was just thinking, wow, like I've never sat down and no one's ever trained me and managed conflict in a relationship. And so most people are trying to avoid arguments and they think if their relationship has arguments, everyone's relationship has arguments, but we always think like, oh, we argue too much. It's not arguing too much that's the issue, it's, the, it's arguing too wrong, yeah. like not knowing how to. So I just feel like all of these subjects that we're raising awareness around of how to think, not what to think, yeah. is, is where that switch is made. And that's where the school videos and the 86,400 seconds, the challenge is we don't know how to process our time. We know what to do with our time. We don't know why we're doing it and we don't know how to make it better. Yeah, you can know what to do it, but not how to do it. Totally. You know, like you can like you can pour tea and then you can go to Japan and study with the Zen master who all they've been doing is learning how to pour tea <laughs> the right way for yes. 10 years and you realize, "Oh shit, that's yes. how you pour tea." Yeah. You know, where every second is focused on the act of pouring the tea, not mm -hmm. what the tea is going to do, how it's going to make you more productive, being out of the moment like oh, now it's time to pour tea. I'm sure. going to scoop the matcha into the cup. I'm going to pour the hot water at the right temperature. I'm going to whisk it in the right way. I'm going to savor the sip and think about how the chlorophyll has grown because the tea leaves were sheltered in shade and kept from the sun so the greenness was trying to burst through the <laughs> leaves so that it could receive that limited amount of sun that it has and now I get to put that in my body and the L-theanine and the caffeine is going to work and all of this and then, oh, wow, now you're drinking tea. Exactly. And then now you're really drinking tea and spending exactly. that the right way. Yeah, the same with us when we were either when you're taking a shower, or you're doing a walking meditation mm -hmm. and you're admiring the trees and the leaves and the branches and the change in color and the change in season, whatever it may be, that, that observation in detail of anything that today we would deem insignificant yeah. just actually allows for so much more revelation. I think that's been the, the real power of the traditional psychedelic ceremonies that mm -hmm. I've been engaged in because you start to see the beauty in everything, not only yourself, but you can see the beauty in the sky and in the plants and in the laughter of your friend and the smiles, the simple things, which is where really all the, the true beauty lies. You know, yeah. it's not in, yes, the extravagant things can be extravagant, but they're almost so overwhelming and you're so on alert that you're not even really able to open yourself completely. Sure. to the magnificence of all of that yeah so like finding those simple pleasures that's that's something that will never get old that doesn't run into the problem of hedonic tolerance where you know you'll find the rock star that can no longer get excited by one woman has to have six and maybe a couple men and maybe a you know a horse like whatever the yeah. whatever the process yeah. has yeah, gone yeah, to yeah. this roman emperor syndrome where it's like there's never going to be enough chasing that well if you learn that one flower is perhaps enough yeah. for you to complement, you know. Absolutely, the Vedic analogies of two fireflies and the fireflies are like, bzz, like you know, like mm -hmm. lighting up in their own way and thinking that they're producing so much light and they're enamored by a female uh, firefly's light as well and their ability to generate, you know, fireflies, you've seen them, right? Like sure. Generate little bits of light and then the sun comes up. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the fireflies go, oh, okay, <laughs> I get it, you know? And that's, 
Kind of like the moment where you're saying with the flower, yeah. we've all been enamored and admiring these little, bzz, you know, these yeah. little moments of these little sparks almost. You know, you light a f match in, in light of the sun or even the beauty of the moon. And it's just like, oh, okay. Right. And that's the kind of, I think the path that so much of humanity is going on. Yeah. Of only having to circle back. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I had never heard that analogy before, but it's yeah. so true because in, you know, if we make ourselves small enough, mm. you know, and then that light could be, that light, little tiny light could be everything. But if we expand ourselves to the universe, you know, and then we realize, oh, wow, yes, there's this sun and then there's all the suns and then there's actually all of the light that was created from that initial energy totally. when the one source, the unicity just went and exhaled yeah. and all of that energy created infinite worlds like, Maybe I'll open myself to that light. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And then wow. Totally. That's that's a lot. Totally. You know, that's that's what now we're really talking. Is that what you said earlier? You could have the most beautiful home, but your blinds can be closed. Yeah. And you can have the most beautiful chandeliers in your home. But we all know that if you let natural sunlight through the window, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Right? It's exactly, exactly the same. I want to go back to, to the We thing. sound like such romantics. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like getting yeah. all like <laughs> look at me and you appreciating nature and <laughs> um, I want to go back to relationships that fight well. Yes. Because I think that's something that, you know, is, is really interesting for people to think about. Because I think one of the things that I've realized, and I have an unconventional relationship with my fiance, and it's really tested a lot of the different boundaries. But one thing that's been really clear is that resentment is the monster that eats love. Mm. You know, like in all cases, like when you're harboring that and you're harboring any kind of mistruth or and mistruth leads to resentment you know mm -hmm. not sharing that that creates this inherent separation where part of you is hidden and part of you is antagonistic and not open and then so whatever fight you have i think the result has to be to get to a place of co-resonance where you're no longer in resentment i mean would that be in your mind like the primary goal of the conflict resolution is to get to a a place of stasis yeah that that sounds beautiful i think that's really well articulated really well put i think the the challenge with it is or the, the goal is to get to a place where both people can truly value where the other person's coming from see the behind the scenes being able to understand how the background has brought that person to that it's almost like you're putting your lens on the process of that person getting to that stage rather than just the minimal thing that they just said. I feel so much gets lost in trying to just focus on the detail. Yeah, or the words themselves. Or the and words I think, themselves. I think I had a huge yeah. fucking problem with that my whole life, right? Because I'm really good with words. I'm like right. I'm like a word jujitsu black belt, you know? <laughs> word so, ninja. Yeah, like a word ninja. And yeah. I would be in arguments and the words coming from my partner I'd be like, oh, you, you're going to use those words? Check this out. I just led you into my oma plata. Like, you're done, you know? Not realizing that the, that's not the point. Yeah. There's an emotional truth behind those words. Mm. So how they're expressing, oh, you didn't text in this sure. way or in this. But really what the context is, is, you know, I'm not quite feeling enough love and attention mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. you know? But what's coming out is the justification in the words and the example, totally. which is ultimately inconsequential. Totally. Like the feeling behind it is true, mm -hmm. even if the example raised is dubious. Exactly. It do but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like deal with the emotional truth and the underlying conditions of the emotional truth and not allow those words to trigger something and get defensive and start 
playing word jujitsu because it, you don't want to submit the other person. Totally. You That's want to worst. like receive the other person in non, you know, in kind of that more Gandhian non-oppositional way. Like I receive what you're saying. Will you receive what I'm saying? Not like, oh yeah, come here, come into my guard. I'm going to put this triangle on your yeah, ass yeah, yeah. and you're going to choke out. You know, like yeah. that's, not, that's not what you want. And that's all because all we've ever known is to express our anger and not explain it, yeah. right? It's like everyone knows how to express their anger. And when we express that anger, it's not well articulated. It's not thought about, it's not conscious, it's not purposeful. We're not even sharing with the intent of this getting better. Like when, <laughs> no, you're, when you're doing yeah. word jujitsu, <laughs> no. you're not sharing, you're not fighting with the intent of this getting anywhere. You're fighting with the intent of being one up on the other person. Like you said, getting the other person to submit. Yeah. And, and again, I don't judge anyone for that because we've just not been trained. Like I say this all the time that we expect so much of ourselves in areas we've never been educated. Yeah, totally. You know, we just expect so much of ourselves in areas we've never taken a <laughs> class in, never taken a course in, and you're just meant to be good at this. Yeah. You know, you're meant to be good at a relationship. Yeah, well, because everybody, all of society will tell you, well, you're not supposed to be this way. You're not supposed totally. to fight. You're not supposed to be in conflict. You're not supposed to be angry. But they don't acknowledge any of the processing skills and all the techniques necessary to actually deal with that thing. Exactly. They just give you the expectation and say, figure it out. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Like yeah. no other system would we anticipate that that would be the oh, case it's like walking into an exam with nothing you know about that subject and <laughs> yeah. being said you're doing the phd version of it right <laughs> yeah, like, yeah write a phd thesis on this yeah. and you're a failure yeah, if you fa fail you exactly. know if you fail this exam yeah and and we internalize that and hold ourselves to it and then that prevents us from even looking at it it prevents mm -hmm. us from even admitting oh man i do have a problem processing my anger like i do have a problem dealing with this kind of thing because because yeah. you're right most of the time when you're angry you know i think one of the deepest universal laws is like like wants to create more like so mm -hmm. an organism wants to reproduce humans mm -hmm. want to create more humans but on a micro level within a human if you have anger it wants to create more anger totally and it, so to do that it will try and infect another person if, it, mm -hmm. if you have pain the pain wants to create more pain it's this basic law of reproduction absolutely and so really what you're trying to do is like here's how i feel i want you to feel that way too absolutely rather than actually trying to resolve it Totally. We're, and this is what I mean by that purification point, because all you're doing is passing on the disease. Mm. And that's what diseases do too. Yep. Right? Yeah, exactly. A disease, disease, a cold, a disease anything. It's like, I want yeah. more people to have this totally. cold. I want to. I think that by giving it to that person, I lose it. Yeah. Right? That's that's the real issue. <laughs> Where really you just doubled it. You don't, right? And and the common example that's always given in, in so much Buddhist theology is around holding the coal. Right? You've probably heard that before, maybe not, but the when you're feeling any envy, anger, pain, negativity, and you want to throw it at someone, and we've all been in moments where you just want to unleash it on that person, it's like holding hot coal in your hand. And before you throw it, what you've done is just burnt your own hand in the process of throwing it. So mm -hmm. even if you've thrown that hot coal at someone, you've burnt your hand in the process. Yeah. And that's what that emotion is doing. We think we're letting go of it by throwing it at someone, not knowing that we've actually just burned ourselves first. Yeah, and especially in a relationship, if you have a partner in this this pain body that you have, like imagine that it's syphilis, right? Yes. Like, okay, here's my syphilis. I'm going to give it to you now. Yeah. And then I'm going to perhaps cure myself. Maybe I'll meditate or do something like that. But guess what? You're still going to have syphilis. Yeah. So you're going to come back 
and you're going to re-give it to me. Yes. And then maybe you'll cure yourself and you just keep passing it back totally. and forth yeah. until somebody leaves all of those coals, all of that disease inside the body without spreading it yes. and alchemizes it, you know, reconciles it, integrates it in however way, shape, or form that, that must be done yeah. by seeing the truth of what it is, seeing the truth of its delusion without passing it. And then you can actually stop the spread. See, disease ping pong. Yeah, right. disease, disease ping, ping pong. pong, right? Pain just, body yeah, ping just pong. trying to get the ball back to the other side. And absolutely. And that's why we've, you know, for so long, people have said things like, be the change you want to see in the world, change yourself before you change others. It's true. That's why we say it so much. Mm. Because until one has got to that purified state, even if not in full, even if it's 75%, 65%, 50%, that's a huge piece of progress, right? That's huge progress. Because it's also, it's not just the bad things that are contagious. It's the it's good, good things, things too. too. It's yeah. the love. It's the happiness. It's the awe. You know, I mean, I, I think there was a, you know, we were out in the jungle recently and and it's a harsh environment and we're doing challenging medicines and, you know, you're very open and receptive to what other people's opinions are. And you watch someone express, wow. And then you look at the same thing and go, wow. Yeah. And you watch someone go, damn, these mosquitoes are everywhere. They're eating me alive. And you go, oh, damn, there's mosquitoes everywhere. Totally. They're eating me alive. You know, so we're so susceptible to what other people around us are feeling. And so one of the best things we can do is actually not doing anything. It's just being in a way that other mm -hmm. people can look to us and go, how are we doing right now? Oh, I guess we're doing good because yeah. look at look at Jay or look at how look at how they're doing. I guess yeah. life is pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. And I feel that the challenge with that is because none of our what you seem to do as well with your life is all your experiences are quite immersive. Mm -hmm. Whether you're taking three days out, a week out, a month out, whatever it may be. And the biggest challenge is if you've never really dove in deep, if it's never been an immersion, yeah, it's hard for it to stick. Yeah. And so most people know about these themes or topics, but. I always say to people, if you've not been away to meditate for a week or a, or a weekend retreat, it's very hard to feel the benefit. It's very hard to see the difference that it makes. Mm -hmm. And so anything we want to increase in our life, I'm always recommending people go and have an immersive experience. Really throw yourself in there if you want to see the benefits of it. Yeah. Don't, don't try and do it on top of everything else you're already doing. I mean, that's a good start. Yeah. But if you're really serious about it, go throw yourself in for a bit. Yeah, because the benefits are disproportionately at the at the fringes. Totally. You know, like the benefits of meditation don't come in the first five, 10 minutes, no. you know, 15. It comes when you really get there. Yes. And then it starts to, and it's just wildly disproportionately more effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. when you actually get to that, get Absolutely. to that level. And that's the same with anything. When you start yeah. a business, mm -hmm. I mean, everyone who's an entrepreneur will tell you the first two years of their business were the hardest. Yeah. Right? from people that I know, at least the first two, the first four, the first six. And then if things are going well, then, you know, things are getting not easier, but they're accelerating more. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same with any area of our life. You never feel the benefit on day one, the gym, whatever you want, whatever analogy you want to use. But it's weird that when it comes to personal growth, we expect it to be quicker, even though there's no area of our life where it comes quicker. <laughs> like there's no fact, there's no process that we've done that's ever been just amazing on day one, apart from the stuff that wastes our time and brings us down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that is, you know, probably one of the things that the psychedelic experience in the mm. proper set and setting for the proper person at the proper time and all of these, all of these caveats. But it can provide a shortcut that can say that can really like maybe you wouldn't travel the path long enough to actually feel like sure. what it feels like 
to find that state through meditation because i have i've done that i've mm -hmm. found equ equally valuable states through breath and through meditation and through um just actually random random satori where just yes. something comes up i wake up 2 30 in in the middle of the night and i'm just on fire and ablaze with love and creativity and feel divinely connected but i think for me the first experience of that was that was that vision quest mm. aided where i came in just kind of scared and entrenched in my own beliefs and through the help of these plants i was able to actually go far enough sure. at that moment that i was like oh wait spirituality is super important because i felt and i tasted what this is and yes. then but you can't do that all the time and okay. people who do that all the time get lost and ungrounded and their feet are never touching yeah. the ground and their psyche gets kind of fragmented and they haven't done the work to integrate so i think it's a great as like a a, a wayfinder it helps show you like Correct. oh this is a way a place that you could get to now how do we find our way back totally. what are the bridges to get you back to that state i totally get totally agree and that makes perfect sense and I feel a lot of people need, because of the way, it's all conditioning anyway, mm -hmm. that the fact that we need instant validation that something works in itself is something we've conditioned. Yeah, It's not that we were always like that. We've just become like that now because we're used to instant gratification. We're used to instant validation. Hence, when we start a practice like meditation or whatever it may be, we feel stuck because like we both agree, there is not that tangible instant sense or judgment to be able to say this is working or i'm doing it right yeah. and hence any other process or practice that kind of just gives people that glimpse that there is more there are there are alternate dimensions mm. there is so much more to us than this physical body that's great because it just gives people that acceleration point but i like the point you made that it's it's the acceleration point it's a pathfinder yeah it's it's not the process forever yeah, I think it's yeah. also there's a healthy skepticism that I mm. think is appropriate now mm. because with the with yeah, the true. hustle that is of everything that's out there, there's people promising all kinds of results and all kinds of things from all kinds of you know really half baked or dubious techniques. Yeah. And so, until you feel it yourself, you know you're always going to have this idea like, is this really going to work? Like, <laughs> is, is this really making any sense? Yeah. And then when you do feel it, you're like, oh okay now yeah. now i'm now no longer just operating on faith mm. i'm operating on knowledge yeah. you know and I, I know that this is something that i want and that's why i really want everyone who's, who's listening but in general to to find the process to be able to trust and reflect and introspect in and of themselves because like you said the amount of messages that are out there today selling people the false deal the complete lie whatever it may be that that is packaged like the truth or the the messiah or the savior mm -hmm. i just really want to encourage everyone to just just take a moment to intuitively reflect and introspect as to do you really believe do you really trust is that really what you need mm -hmm. and is that the person that you're going to let take you there and you'll find the answer and just just that little process because now the world of ads and the world of reminders and the world of all of that has taken over so much that you're bombarded with it. And when you're having a bad day, nothing looks better than clicking that random ad <laughs> that promises you yeah. that it can get you out of your financial misery. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, it's like, that feels like the only option. Yeah. And then you just realize you went into more financial misery because of the choice, but just, right. yeah, just press pause 
You know, yeah. press pause and just take that moment to yourself. And, and look at the things with the right risk reward ratio, yes. right? Like take a practice like ecstatic dance, right? Which <laughs> is really listening to music and allowing the music to instruct the body to move and yeah. break through the limitations and patterns that you got. Well, you can do that alone in your house. Totally. You can draw the blinds, you can put on some music <laughs> and you can dance, right? And adhere to those practices. The cost is if it fails completely you've got to work out and yeah. spend a little while dancing yes. right like yeah, yeah, yeah. the benefit oh wow what if it works what if you actually get to process deeper emotional issues and purge and break through physical boundaries and have a practice that you can then use the rest of your life anywhere you go anytime you need it that's the benefit yes if it works cost actually there is no cost there's yeah. only the benefit of actually moving your body and the benefit is potentially a lifelong life-altering practice so Absolutely. should people try that Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the cost benefit is wildly in your favor, yes. but like a super expensive, you know, weight loss pill with a bunch of different crap in it and a bunch of that, like, well, what's the cost? Well, it could be super unhealthy for you. It could yeah. delay the amount of time for you actually doing this. It could cost hard money that you'll never get back. Mm -hmm. And that really probably doesn't work that well. Yeah. Smart. You know what I mean? So it's like the cost benefit there. You really have to take a look at that yeah. and, and see. And I think there's some of these no brainer things like, okay expose yourself to hot and cold mm -hmm. you know go in this you know obviously wrote about a lot of this in my book but move your body yeah. you know get outside in nature have some kind of stillness practice like cost benefit is just wildly favorable yeah so just do it <laughs> for sure for sure and it's free it's free nature's healing you for free yeah, yeah, exactly for free. Yeah. exactly you yeah. just got to go out it's and crazy. find it absolutely man what else are you working on, man? How can uh, how can people follow you, stay along? Obviously, your YouTube is badass. I've been going down that rabbit hole for a while. Oh, but, thank uh, you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, Facebook's always been my biggest platform. That's mm -hmm. where I I get most of my engagement and where the love really is. I, I appreciate the love on YouTube too. Mm -hmm. Instagram's really been a focus for me this year because people get more personal touches of me and like more personal connections and reflections and introspections that that I'm having. So I love Instagram as a platform. Yeah, any of those three is awesome. Whichever one works for you. Yep, and yeah. all three, just your name, Jay Shetty? Jay Shetty on all three. Yeah, fortunate enough to have those. Yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> um, well, this is beautiful, man. It's Thank been you, cool man. to drop in and have yeah, this chat with you. it's been really great to meet you. I've, yeah. I'm fascinated now. Now I feel like I need to talk to you for another <laughs> Yeah, man, another Let's, this, just, this is just a warm-up. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, I'm like Let's do some cool shit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, you've got me thinking in so many different directions now, so... Well, I appreciate yeah, I that. I love it. No, yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, brother. Yeah, and awesome. thanks, everybody. Peace. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast, fam. As always, we love it when you leave reviews. We love it when you go check out aubreymarkets.com, sign up for the newsletter, explore, poke around. That's always appreciated. And of course, go to onit.com slash Aubrey and receive 10% off all of your goodies. Much love, fam. We'll see you next week. I can't wait.